Welcome to another episode of Health Creators. This is Liv, and I'm joined here today by Annabelle de Galder, founder and CEO of WOMCO. And today we're going to be discussing how we can apply innovation in food tech into healthcare. Uh, but first of all, Annabelle, can you give us an elevator pitch of WOMCO? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so at WOMCO, we are building the first data-driven, personalized nutrition solution for female hormone health. Awesome. And um, you mentioned to me earlier that your background was in food tech. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Of course. So um, I studied uh, business and finance, and then I went into sustainable development uh, for food. And I worked in food tech, specifically in uh, alternative proteins and lab-grown meats in Israel. So I was working in this uh, company, creating novel uh, sources of beef from uh, lab-grown, uh, cultivated uh, animal cells. Um, they are still um, very R&D heavy, and they're looking to commercialize a product within the next year. Uh, and so I have a, a huge passion for everything that is food tech, uh, alternative proteins, and every kind of new ingredients and new kinds of um, foods that are being created, especially looking at uh, the sustainability criteria, but also the health uh, and kind of the added value for, for human consumption. So what did you learn in food tech that made you transition into healthcare? So when I was working in food tech, I learned a lot about um, how can we develop novel ingredients that are going to support um, humans' uh, consumption, but also how can we reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, by shifting to novel ways um, of producing meat or beef or chicken and so on. I was very interested in the whole um, sustainability uh, side of things. But then what really interested my, I mean, because of my background, um, I wanted to look into how foods and nutrition can really affect our bodies, our productivity, our performance, our energy level, especially as women, our hormones. And I myself have been uh, struggling with so many symptoms, uh, hormone imbalances, changing birth control so many times and always feeling like my body wasn't um, able to reach its full potential, always feeling tired, low in energy, uh, in pain sometimes. And so by changing my nutrition uh, in the last few years, I've really noticed how food affects everything else uh, in your body. And that's how I really shifted from my interest in food tech uh, to look more into this combination of food tech with uh, female bodies and health. And then that's also when I realized how um, closely hormones and nutrition are related. And this food hormone connection that is today uh, not something that many people know about, but that, that has obviously had so many kind of studies behind it. That's where I really wanted to go and really leverage my kind of food tech experience to go into uh, the space of hormone health. Interesting. And you mentioned uh, that you were you were essentially working in like a lab grown meat company. Right. Um, and that you were interested in this hormonal element is is that because um, non lab grown meat causes a lot of hormonal changes and that lab grown meat can kind of regulate that? Yes. Yeah, so that's something else as I mean, you might know uh, traditional meat uh, has its drawbacks as well. 
there are a lot of obviously um, factory farming and, and, and meat that is grown in, in very poor conditions, uh, fed with antibiotics, fed with uh, a lot of things that shouldn't be, uh, yeah, eaten uh, in and then shouldn't be like found in food. And so looking at the impact of, of protein and meat uh, on female bodies as well, I was very interested in this because I was vegan for many years too. Um, so this whole kind of um, meat and hormone health uh, relationship uh, really triggered my interest. Obviously, it's also um, studies that are still, uh, let's say, being conducted today. So really seeing how the impact of specific nutrients, uh, especially the ones found in meat, can affect symptoms, can affect female cycles, and can also affect anything, for example, related to fertility and so on. Um, so I think that's something I really uh, leverage from, from my experience in food tech and lab-grown meat, and also something I'm working on right now uh, with Wamco. So, so leveraging your knowledge of essentially how meat impacts the body. Yes, among other nutrients. Um, I've always found it kind of bizarre, right? So you go into a supermarket and there's basically one section of food that is um, good for you, right? Like the organic food is actually the only section where they're like, okay, this section, we didn't put other stuff in it. Yeah. Um, how much of food technology is basically trying to change that? Or is it just creating um, essentially niche products for luxury buyers? Yeah. I think um, what um, lab-grown meat is trying to do is creating products that are not niche and not premium products for, uh, let's say, the, the most expensive goods. It's really creating uh, another source of meat that can be um, like consumed uh, by many, many people and replace traditional meat because of all the environmental drawbacks that uh, meat production has. So I don't think they're trying to create a, a premium product, although right now it would be a premium product because of obviously the, the wow. breakdown of costs and how uh, expensive it is to produce. But long term, I think these products would be uh, very affordable and would kind of try and replace the factory farmed um, meat. But they are not trying to replace anything that is you know, organic meat mm -hmm. because they still think that organic meat uh, is, uh, I mean, very, very valid. Uh, they're just trying to, to replace things that are, um, yeah, not as good in terms of quality and not as good in terms of feeding our human bodies with good and, and rich nutrients. What are some things you would definitely never eat again after working in food tech? So I, I stopped eating meat uh, myself, but I do uh, replace this with a lot of uh, plant-based sources of iron. Um, and for me, it's working pretty well uh, for my body, for my hormones, for my energy. So I wouldn't say uh, people have to stop meat or have to stop something. I would say people have to really understand what works best for their bodies. And that's also what we're trying to to bring with Wonko is really understanding how can you improve symptoms or how can you work on specific conditions you have through precision nutrition instead of eating and seeing this as something separate from what you're feeling and taking you know medicine or painkillers or birth control to mask the symptoms rather than finding out the root cause of these symptoms and fixing them with natural food-based solutions. We look at the problem in terms of the current eating habits of society. Uh, do you think that with food tech, what people are trying to do is essentially make it 
easier for people to be vegan or yeah definitely i think there is a there's also a very appealing um thing in all these new kinds of products either plant-based or or lab-grown meat or, or even insect proteins they're trying to make it as um like easily accepted by the consumer for the consumer to easily switch to these alternatives and make them uh full of flavor and full of good nutrients so that people can slowly shift to um, traditional agriculture, to um, novel sources of, of proteins. But of course, it's important to still realize that some of the products are also very processed and mm. they sometimes can't be compared to uh, a piece of organic, uh, like grass-fed chicken. Um, and I think there's a limit as well. I think it's not about shifting totally to Uh, the new food tech products to be fully vegan. It's also about yeah. reducing your consumption and going for these alternatives if you do need some additional sources of plant-based uh, iron and protein. Um, and I think especially in countries where there is um, a lack of, of, of available food and there's you know, like difficulties with finding enough proteins for, for, for the population because it's growing, I think then these kinds of foods are, are like the perfect a substitute to really have uh, like the good nutrients uh, available for everyone who cannot afford uh, other sources of, of protein. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a very interesting space and it's, it's booming with so many new players every day in every country. And they're also all waiting for regulatory approval because all of these products, mm -hmm. I mean, are, are very uh, R&D heavy. They're still not approved in many countries for human consumption. So are insects. So I am a very strong advocate of this and I hope things will, um, will I mean, commercialize uh, soon enough. Um, but we also have to obviously take into account that it's, it's not that easy to, to be approved by the FDA and so on because these products are grown in a lab. So yeah. interesting because um, you mentioned earlier that when you worked in food tech, you were very interested in the sustainability component of this, right? And I think that a lot of people who choose to be vegan do it because of sustainability, because of um, helping animal welfare as well. Yes. Um, but is there any evidence to suggest that being vegan can actually improve um, your health as a female? Um, and just a caveat that there is not much research in, in women's health, right? Exactly. So for the, um, for the sustainability aspect, definitely there are, I mean, a lot of life cycle analysis showing how meat production uh, and alternative meat production uh, is much better in terms of pollution, water, CO2, and so on. Uh, all the emissions are uh, much smaller when it comes to uh, alternative meat production. But in terms of health, I think there are some studies suggesting that a vegan diet is, um, is very positive for some females and for some males as well, as well as uh, the vegan diet on athletes uh, and the vegan diets on uh, other kinds of, for example, conditions, chronic conditions to manage. Um, even, for example, cancers have been shown to be positively linked with a vegan diet. But obviously, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. Like, everyone, I mean, everyone's bodies are different. So... I wouldn't say a vegan diet should work for everyone. And I think it's also a balance. It's very important to have a balance when you're trying to be vegan, to be 
100% sure that you're going to replace any nutrient you might lack with others. And with Wonko, again, that's what we're trying to do. So if a person comes to us and is vegan, we're obviously going to test her, for example, nutrition deficiencies. We're going to test her hormones and so on. So we're really going to get a full picture of how is her body, um, I mean, like responding to different foods and what are the next steps to help that woman support uh, all of her symptoms if she is vegan. And if she is vegan, we would account for the fact that she is maybe missing a few nutrients and we will support them with other sources. But I think if a person uh, is vegan and it doesn't um, support her body well and she kind of realized that she has uh, low energy fatigue, like I did, for example, when I was vegan and then I stopped for that reason, I think it's important for the, the person to realize soon enough that maybe it's not the best match with her own metabolism and body and then she might have to switch back to having some... Uh, yeah, animal-based protein uh, in the diets. Interesting. So it's kind of like the the tailoring of what you eat based off of exactly your hormone levels. So you you worked in food tech, and then at what point did you decide to switch into building Womco? Yes. So I was working last year, and then. Um, Around May, I got into this accelerator program. Uh, actually, it was an incubator. So I didn't have a, a team or an idea, but I had this, um, this kind of passion and mission to create something that was around hormonal health and food and nutrition. And so I got into this program and they matched me with um, my co-founder. Uh, and then uh, I decided to... Um, give it a go. And we won the program's demo day. So we got some uh, money. And then that's where I decided to uh, stop working in food tech and committing uh, full time on Wonko in September. And so I moved here uh, to the UK because my co-founder was based here. And we decided after some market research and, and so on to uh, start the company in the UK as well. Uh, so right now, yeah, I'm, I'm working full time in this uh, and I'm still very, very interested with everything food tech and, and lab-grown meat. But now my focus is really about nutrition and, and the impact of hormones. Is that because nutrition in the UK is bad? Why, like, why not the US? Yeah, I think we, we decided um, to look into the UK because, yes, there are a lot of um, like stats showing how women and, and, and people just don't have the time to, to cook for themselves or, you know, eating processed foods. Uh, there is, um, I mean, many other kinds of uh, innovation and, and startups trying to address different health uh, conditions in the UK. So we found it uh, as a very dynamic place to start. Uh, and we're also realizing now with, with, with time that maybe uh, the UK uh, isn't the best place and other places where um, there's even less awareness about nutrition would be actually better places for us to expand. For example, we're looking at Mexico, where there are so many women that have chronic conditions like endometriosis, PCOS, and there there is very limited awareness about nutrition. And so we've spoken with a lot of uh, dietitians there that are telling us how um, it would be a, an amazing opportunity for us to also look at this market and this demographic, yeah. because women would be um, needing a solution uh, more than in the UK where there's other available solution already. Uh, or for example, uh, the public uh, like health space is, is also kind of providing these services, obviously um, not as quickly as, as we can, but yeah, there is alternatives. So maybe looking in, in countries where women are more desperate for a solution, basically. Have you looked at Huel? 
Because yes. I feel like Huel is basically like the, the male solution yes. to food, right? Exactly. So we see a lot of um, male solutions for food or food solutions for, um, for example, yeah, weight loss or really like these programs that are helping you um, manage diabetes or, yeah. or manage um, more like chronic conditions through nutrition. Um, but we don't see many that are looking at hormones in a very female-focused way. So that's how we are um, kind of getting this, this competitive advantage. We're really focusing on women. Uh, and so we're looking at everything, hormone cycle and hormone-related conditions and symptoms, but also, for example, fertility, pregnancy, transition to the menopause. So everything that is um, basically connected to a woman's uh, hormonal life cycle from uh, 18 all the way until the end of her menopause. Uh, and the solutions today are not doing it in such an like end-to-end -end way. Mm. Um, and the, the male-focused uh, solutions uh, yeah, aren't going into the female uh, space anytime soon. So, so did, did you think about building a solution like Huel, or do you think that it just would not be you know, appealing to the female market? I mean, yeah, we've, we've thought of this through a lot. So initially, we wanted to create something that was more similar to like HelloFresh and Gusto, so a real meal kit box with the whole ingredient delivery and so on. And then uh, after a lot of... Uh, kind of research we realized we might focus on the mm. testing more so the hormone testing the nutrition testing combined with the personalized nutrition and care uh, and right now as we're building the new version of our product we're thinking of merging both and so having all the way from the testing to the personalization yeah. and the food and the supplements kind of uh, integrated as well so delivering foods delivering supplements based on the plants and the ingredients that women need at that point in their week or in their month uh, and so having something that is more, um, yeah, food-based, but also very science-y in the, in the way that we test uh, and get everything with our algorithm matched to nutrition. Interesting. Um, I feel like food is a very different topic for women sometimes than men, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there is a, there's still a, a kind of a disconnect uh, people don't, maybe men do more, but women sometimes don't um, really realize how food is affecting so many things. What you put inside your body is really going to affect, I mean, your, 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 your mood, your energy. And I think men might, because of, I mean, their, their, they don't have cycles and their hormones are, um, I mean, let's, less complex. They don't have all of these fluctuations. They don't have all of these symptoms, but they do realize that nutrition, for example, impacts their muscle building and their physical performance. Whereas women have so many things to think about, about their own health, that they sometimes tend to put nutrition aside and focus on their symptoms with um, other kinds of solutions. But instead, I think it's very important to realize how nutrition can make you feel better in many ways. And sometimes it won't because you have a condition that is too um, difficult to treat through nutrition. I'm not saying nutrition is solving everything, but it is very important to realize uh, that it has so many effects on your, your well-being. And that's also what we're trying to do, really educating women about, about this, basically showing them that nutrition is very important and it shouldn't be neglected. And it's also not a one-size-fits-all. So it should really be as tailored and, and personalized as, as it can. And obviously, women don't have the time or the money to sure. see dietitians and, and you know, think yeah. about all of this. So... I think I think what I mean when I say it's a sensitive topic for women is 
that food often is associated to uh, weight, yes. to appearance, to who you are, right? Like when we talk about you are what you eat, um, I think that women take that a little bit more seriously than men, right? Because if you look at um, development and women, you know, as girls being teenagers, um, uh, body weight and how you eat and how you relate to food um, is something that is so sensitive. Yeah. Um, and trying to, you know, establish eating uh, healthily in terms of um, having a healthy mentality around food is definitely more difficult in, in, in most cases for women, right? Definitely. There is a very strong connection between, yeah, the whole kind of your mental health and, yeah. and your eating habits, yeah. and especially for women, um, it's more sensitive because, as you mentioned, of weight gain and, and body image and uh, self-confidence and yeah. all of these things. So um, there is also kind of a, a work to be done in that sense. Yeah, I see. So when we talk about like Huel and you said that you kind of associate that with the kind of gym bro uh, type of personality. With WAMCO, do you see there being, um, you know, a type of woman that this would apply to? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, we see that uh, women that are, who are active, uh, very active women, athletes also need to, um, I mean, be very uh, careful about their nutrition. So we're also trying to incorporate as many kind of um for example, data from Apple Watch, where we can really track if the person has done yeah. a very intense workout, what is the best nutrition we can recommend before and after. So really taking into account the lifestyle of these women and if they are active and athletes and going to the gym very frequently, obviously account for this too um, with the nutrition support. Awesome. And then back to back to like the main topic of discussion on how we're applying innovation in food tech into healthcare. Um, so you mentioned essentially this element of current foods not um, being very good for hormonal health and how in food tech today, um, we are essentially developing um, new lab-grown food that has less impact on your hormonal health. And that was essentially the reason why you began WOMCO, to essentially apply those learnings into female health. Is there um, a specific kind of disease or symptom that you saw in, in, your, in your own experience or discussing with women that, you know, you know that this sort of food can yes. actually help? Yeah. Yeah. So for example, myself, um, the, the real game changer has been uh, cramps and, and bloating and also low energy and kind of fatigue that were always um, I mean, constant when I was vegan and then when I was eating meat uh, and, and proteins again. But then now that I'm eating much more alternative sources of proteins uh, and that also I also have a more uh, consistent diet, for example, eating in the morning and in the in, I mean, lunchtime, evening, not skipping any meals and so on yeah. has really helped me. So, yes, I think there is clearly a connection with these new sources of proteins uh, and my own symptoms. And I, I know there is for other women and the studies are still being, you know, I mean, done today. So we're also trying to run some studies, for example, right now, 
uh, a study that would uh, look at gut health and uh, menstrual health symptoms that are related to gut health. So everything that is cramps and bloating or like bowel movements and looking if the effect of probiotics uh, actually really improves these symptoms over a specific period of time. And so looking at probiotics, obviously we can also look at all the kind of plant-based um, like proteins that have probiotics um, and leveraging the, the evidence from this study, applying it to, to food tech. Uh, lab-grown uh, meat. Um, so yeah, no, definitely we're trying to to push this forward to see some some evidence and some results. Um, and I hope we, we will see some good results. Awesome. And what's the number one thing that you would recommend someone to do if wanting to build a healthcare startup? Um, so because I don't have a, a scientific background myself, I think I would really recommend uh, another person that is very interested in health, but doesn't have a health background to partner with others. So in the way that I did, partnering with my uh, scientific co-founder, partnering with gynecologists and dietitians to really, really understand what is um, happening, how advanced is the science, how can we leverage different research, how can we build something that is strong because it has been validated by the work of these people. So that I would recommend definitely to partner with the people that would bring this scientific expertise, yeah. even if you, you might know a lot yourself because you've obviously done a lot of research and, and, and read and so on, um, you will still get so many insights from people that are, I mean, dedicating their whole life to these topics, such as dietitians, especially yeah. focusing on hormone health or, or gynecologists. Um, so that, that I think is my number one tip, uh, which is, uh, I mean, pretty straightforward. <laughs> And, and what's the number one thing not to do? Um, good question. So I think another thing that I realized and that I would say it's something not to do or, or to try to avoid is when having an idea. So for example, um, my idea was building this product because I personally struggled and mm -hmm. fixed and found my own solution. And then I wanted to bring this to everyone out there. Yeah. Uh, I think I would say that before doing this, women or, or people who are trying to build something really have to understand what are their target audience willing to do. So if there is a barrier to, to change, if there is a barrier to consumer acceptance, if there is a barrier to, to price, how can we best use these data and these innovations in a most obviously convenient way for the end user? Because I've, I've come across um, people who have an amazing idea and they build something without taking into account the, their market at all. And so they have something that is a great technology or a great product, but actually doesn't really work out for the end user B2B or B2C. And I think before doing this, it's very, very important to research as much as you can and speak to as many users and people to really understand how your product can serve them the best. Because our ideas sometimes we think are great and actually realize from the user's perspective it's not at all what they're expecting or they prefer something completely different. And then we would build something, I mean, all the way till the end and realize we should have changed so much. Um, to so, really get user feedback. Yes, really. And, and really understanding how can we serve them in a way that is not available already or if it is available in a more competitive uh, way with a lower price or with more services or with more personalization and really trying to... Um, focus on the user first like the user is is the product is is the whole business and if i can uh fulfill my user's needs 
I like I have a, a good product basically. Awesome. And finally, uh, what's the number one impact you want to leave on the world today with Wamco? So I think the, um, the impact uh, we really want to leave is having every woman uh, be able to thrive and, and feel their best self and feel empowered in their bodies and not have any concerns about anything hormonal and get the nutrition support they need in a very accessible way, in a very convenient way, in an end-to-end -end way. Because we know so many women struggling, they don't have uh, the time or the access, they don't know how to get access even, you know, they have no information. So it's really having them uh, covered with a safe space and a safe solution that is obviously working for them, um, yeah, to make them uh, feel at their best uh, and get on top of their, their health.